get it. Wednesday, October 16th, 2019. Born the Battle. Brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. The podcast that focuses on inspiring veteran stories and puts a highlight on important resources, offices, and benefits for our veterans. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Tanner Iskra. Hope you had a good week outside of podcast land. I personally am curious to see how this home inspection that I recently had is going to go at the closing of my house this week. The inspector found some major and minor issues. However, I think installing some things not to manufacture specifications is kind of major, especially things like mm, the roof. The things that are listed as major issues, I'm sure I can get all of those fixed before closing. And things like they called minor, like the roof, I at least want a plan to cure. That's what they say in contract speak, I guess. My wife tells me that. In writing, at closing. I don't know if that's going to work or not. It's coming up, but we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, It's going to be after this episode. If you have ever dealt with anything like this on a new home build uh, or have a suggestion or two or have some knowledge to share with the community, please uh, email me at podcast.va.gov. If you want, maybe we can read your suggestion on next week's episode so we can continue to spread the knowledge throughout our community. In addition to the walkthrough and the inspection and and the closing uh, this week, over the past weekend, I also went to Irreverent Warriors DC Silky Hike. It was a 22-mile hike around the DC area. Everyone wore silkies. Everyone wore uh, packs. It was on a whim. Uh, I was uh, interviewed for their podcast, 21 Gun, and they mentioned, hey, you're going to come out to the Silky Hike? I said, sure, why not? That's how I spent. That is That was my own recognition of World Mental Health Day, which was on October 10th. We're going to talk about that uh, later in the episode. Uh, but that was what I did. I, I, I hiked... Uh, Half of the half of the program, I had another event I had to get to. But I can tell you, I wish I was there for the entire time. It was a great event for great people. Halfway through, we stopped at the World War II Memorial and uh, got with an honor flight and uh, you know met some World War II, Korea, Vietnam, Cold War veterans. Uh, shook, got to shake their hands, got to do a little bit of post 9/11 interacting with those different eras. It was really, really a great event. I think the most powerful moment was when we were at the Lincoln Memorial Steps and um, the Reverend Warriors, everyone there got to say the Reverend Warriors mission, which is to bring veterans together using humor and camaraderie to improve mental health and stop veteran suicide. That was the mission. And then, of course, the Marine delegation uh, in our silkies, in our in our <laughs> in our helmets and gas masks and camelbacks. uh started started shouting out the Marine Corps hymn, right? Uh, overall, it was a great event. Uh, I can't wait to go to the next one. Uh, that was, uh, again, a Silky's hike that was put on by the nonprofit Irreverent Warriors. And, uh, and we're going to have a couple other uh, representatives on a future show so we can learn more about the program. No reviews, ratings, or emails from last week's episodes. Womp womp. A couple of comments, though, on Jesse Awuji's blog. One from a man named Abraham. No one can really go far without hard work and vision. My sentiments exactly. One blog on blogs.va.gov that did get a ton of comments was the Games for Grunts uh, story by our colleague Tim Hudak. Now, Games for Grunts is a program by a nonprofit called Operation Supply Drop. 
which gets free game codes from the gaming company from gaming companies, mainly Xbox and Steam. Uh, there's so far there's no PS uh, four. I think we're on four uh, on there right now, and they distribute these keys uh, to veterans. Uh, we put the word out, like many in the veteran community, and there are some interesting comments uh, on that blog. If you haven't yet, check it out. It was a very, very interesting conversation. A couple news releases this week. This first one says, for immediate release, VA Board of Veterans Appeals makes history with record-breaking year in 2019. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs Board of Veterans Appeals surpassed last year's record high output for decisions. The board officially dispatched 95,089 decisions for veterans and their families for fiscal year 2019, the largest numbers of decisions in the board's history. That is 5,000 more decisions than the goal and 11% more than the board's decision output in 2018, the previous record high. There's a quote by the secretary that says, this was in addition to implementing appeals modernization. And we're going to have a benefits breakdown on that very, very soon. Excited to bring you that one, that episode. Undergoing a reorganization with addition of new leaders across the organization, taking over all hearing scheduling and testing virtual telehearings. Okay, and the second one says, for immediate release, VA recognizes World Mental Health Day 2019. The U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs is joining organizations, communities, leaders, and mental health professionals to observe World Mental Health Day, which was on October 10th. This year's theme is mental health promotion and suicide prevention. And VA is urging all veterans, service members, family, and friends to learn about the resources and support available for those experiencing signs or symptoms of a mental health condition and to help prevent suicide among veterans. There's a quote by the secretary, and then it says, every 40 seconds, someone dies by suicide somewhere around the world. VA and the World Federation of Health, Mental Health, WFMH, want everyone to know that mental health treatment is effective, recovery is possible, and suicide is preventable. Join VA and the WFMH in taking 40 seconds for action. Your actions may provide the encouragement a loved one needs to seek help or even help prevent a suicide attempt. Here are a few ways to participate. Explore the Veterans Crisis Line and Suicide Prevention links to learn about the many ways you can be there for a veteran in need. Visit maketheconnection.net to watch videos of over 500 veterans from every service era and branch. And we've interviewed one for the show. His name was David Lucier. He was a, a previous guest who share their stories of coping with major life events, overcoming mental health challenges, and finding a new sense of purpose. Then share one of these inspiring stories with a veteran loved one. Check out mentalhealth.va.gov for more information and resources on a variety of mental health topics and conditions, including suicide risk, anxiety, depression, and more. Connect with Coaching Into Care, a free telephone service for family members, friends, and loved ones of veterans who may need mental health support. The hours of operation are Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Call one 888 823-7458 to get started. And as always, if you are a veteran in crisis or a, or are concerned about a veteran, the crisis, the Veterans Crisis Line is here to help. Call 
888-238-8355 and press 1. Or you can send a text to 838-255. Or you can chat online. And uh, again, I'll always leave those uh, links in the blog description. To learn more about VA's mental health programs, you can always go to mentalhealth, that's all one word, .va.gov. All right. From a special forces medic to army medical officer to VA surgeon. This week's guest has an interesting career path, to say the least. He has four, count them, four DD-214s. He just couldn't get enough, I guess. And he's had some pretty interesting stops along the way, from peacekeeping in Egypt to swimming in Saddam's pool in the green zone. So let's dive in. See what I did there? Hmm. And find out if deployed army medics and doctors are really like MASH. So, without further ado, I bring to you Army veteran, Dr. Albert Weed. Yes, Dr. Weed. Yes, I know. Enjoy. Dr. Weed, um, you have to have some funny anecdotes from some of your veteran patients about the first time that you meet them <laughs> and they find out that they have a Dr. Weed. <laughs> Well, I, there are some patients who appreciate it more than others. Um, and, I, you know, I tell them that, you know, if this VA thing doesn't work out, I'll, I'll move to Denver. But, uh, but no. Uh, most of them, yeah. I get a, a couple comments from some of them, but there you go. Um, so, uh, Dr. Weed, you're an Army veteran. Yes. That's correct. When when and where did you decide that the Army was the right career path for you? Oh, when did I decide it was the right career path? I'm not sure, but I, I enlisted in the Army out of high school. Uh, my father was in the Army for many years. It served in Vietnam and uh, was in the reserves. And by that time, was a command sergeant major. He spent... Uh, okay. He eventually retired in 2003 or so after 42 years. Um so oh, wow. we had a, you know, a, a military history, or at least my, you know, he had, he was certainly in the reserves at the time um, and was kind of pushing me a little bit um, to, to consider doing the army. I remember one night he, uh, he invited the recruiter home for dinner, uh, <laughs> oh, man. but it was really, it was really one of my best, one of my, one of my best friends growing up who had decided to join the army. Um, and so I, so okay. he was in the delayed entry program and I went up and kind of hung out with him some in that program and kind of that kind of sealed the deal, I guess. Got the bug there. Yeah. Um, so you said your dad retired in 2003. I want to say 2003, sometime around that time frame. Yeah. Interesting. So you guys served at the same time together. We did. We aspects. actually, um, he, uh, he was in the 11th special forces group, which I later joined. Um, so he was, he actually came and was able to jump at my jump school, uh, graduation jump. So he led me out the door on my graduation jump at jump school. Um, and then awesome. we, uh, you know, he had some different things that he was doing. And then, um, in, so I was in a in an, in a uh, special forces company 
out of Fort AP Hill in two, in 1990, well, 1988 through 94. Uh, and then I left there to go to medical school. Um, I took my commission and, and left the unit. And then he actually came in to be the sergeant major of the unit like the following year. So <laughs> lost one weed and got the other. That's right. That's there's, right. There's sprouting weeds. I can do this all day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, but let's talk about your journey to, to eventually become a medic and a doctor. Um, sure. You started out in the infantry, correct? I started out in the infantry. I was an 11 Charlie, which is a mortars, uh, mortarman. Okay. Um, served with the 82nd airborne division. Um, went to ranger school during that time. And then, uh, Basically, was was planning on getting getting out and going to college, which was my original plan uh, on the GI Bill and the Army College Fund. Yeah. Before before you get there, talk to me about your deployment to Egypt in 1986. What was that all about? Okay. So um, when I got to the 82nd, they put us into various units, and the unit I was in, the second of the 504th Infantry Division or mm-hmm. Infantry uh, Regiment was going was slated to go to the Sinai Desert on peacekeeping duty. So the multinational okay. force and observers peacekeeping. Interesting. So we left I wanna say I was the last group out. We left in May of at the end of May or early June and we were supposed to be there for six months. I guess we left earlier in May. Um but uh I know it was after Memorial Day. Um, so it was when we left and we were supposed to be there for six months and, um, we were replaced, you know, we went in and spent six months, uh, sitting on a checkpoint in the Sinai desert, uh, down at the very tip. If you look at the Sinai, it's like a triangle uh-huh. and we, my, my, uh, squad was literally at the very southernmost tip of that, uh, of the, of the peninsula, uh, sitting on a checkpoint, we would spend, wanted to say we did like three weeks on the checkpoint and three weeks back in the rear. Um, interesting. Not time. many people know about that, that, that mission as a whole. What was the whole mission? You said peacekeeping, but what was the, right. what were you guys trying to do? So that the multinational force and observers were similar to a UN peacekeeping force, but it wasn't under the UN auspices. Um, It was set up as part of the Camp David Accords between uh, Jimmy Carter and uh, Begin and the Egypt, it was Begin and I can't remember the other um, fella, um, between basically to set up a buffer zone between Egypt and Israel after the, um, after the wars in the seventies. So we, oh, there was an, a U.S. Infantry Battalion, a Colombian Battalion, and a Fijian Battalion. Uh, so three infantry like from units. Fiji? From Fiji. Like from, oh, yep. wow. <laughs> yep. um, and so, well, apparently the Fijians, that's how they paid for their military. They had like, I don't know, whatever they had. They had like four battalions in their military, and three of them were on peacekeeping duties. Uh, around the world wow. and that's how they basically afforded to have a, a military um wow at least at that time so those three units plus several others canadians english uh italians uh nor uh danish i mean there was it was a, like i want to say it was 11 or more countries that were that sent people and yeah. to this peacekeeping force and basically we were 
in a zone running right along the Egypt, Egypt, the Egyptian border, but, you know, on the Egypt side in the Sinai desert, uh, on the border of Israel. And then of course we were in the South zone. So we were just on the border of the, uh, Gulf of Elat. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I don't. I don't think many people know about that. That yeah. that whole mission. It's so been there for a while. It's still there. It's still running, as far as I know. Um, and uh, but thankfully, wow. uh, comparative to like other peacekeeping forces, I, th- I think there's been a few things that have gone on. But for the most part, it's been a fairly um, uh, peaceful, peaceful tour. tour. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so after that, you, you, you went into special forces, correct? Right. So I got out okay. of after, so I, we came back, I spent the next two years in the 82nd, um, and then was getting out to go to college and joined the 11 special forces group, which really was kind of, is a reserve group that was kind of state. The, the companies were basically up and down the East coast. Yeah. Um, as far north as Fort Devens and as far south as Florida, Tampa, I think was the southernmost company. I was in a company in Virginia um, and joined there with the, I, and basically I wanted to be in that unit partly because of my father's uh, experience with special forces. Um, he was in, in the special forces in Vietnam and was still in. And at the time when I joined, he was the group sergeant major. Um, yeah. So I, uh, is, like this, is this Delta? Is this Delta or Rangers? Or no, like what it's, kind of it's this, this is kind of this is the the what people normally call the Green Berets. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So um, I had done Ranger school, but I, I was never in the Ranger battalions. I did that while I was on active duty. Okay. And this was, uh, you know, this was Green Beret that kind of unit. Um, yeah. And so I joined them. And they had a lot of weapons guys and they had a lot of commo or I mean, a lot of um, engineers. They needed uh, communications and medics. And I didn't want to carry a heavy radio. (laughs) (laughs) So I said, well, I'll be a medic. And uh, not realizing that the the aid bag that the medic carries is bigger and as heavy as a radio. But anyway, (laughs) they don't tell you that part. I didn't learn that until later. I spent a year uh, while I was in my first year of college, spent a year just kind of in their training, you know, pre-training program yeah. and then went back on active duty after my first year of college for um, to do uh, the assessment and selection course and then the, the SFQC, the Special Forces Qualification course. So, uh-huh. and because I was a medic, that course, which for most people is about six months long, took me about a year and a half because of an extra, you know, almost nine months down at Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio doing, learning the medic stuff. Got you. So, man, that's, that just sounds, so you got out. So you, did you get out to go to school and then this was still as a reserve? Right. You were doing so, all I, this? so I basically got out. Oh, okay. I was in college, uh, at the university of Virginia, um, and doing my reserve duty as part of the training team. Then I basically took a leave of absence from college to go back on active duty for training for a year and a half. Um, okay. And then graduated the Q course in December of 1990 and came back to college that spring for that spring semester in January, which, as people may recall, was when we when the whole Gulf uh, storm 
war. Yeah. You know, yeah. The Gulf uh, War. Desert happened. Storm 1. Yeah, Desert, Desert Storm, Storm 1. 1. Yep. So, There's a lot of back and forth there. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, you're active, no, I'm not. And it's, yeah. it's just, well, it gets, it gets, it definitely, I have uh, currently, I have four DD 14, 214s. <laughs> oh, wow. So that you get when you come off of active duty. So. Now, your, your last time coming back on active duty was 2004, correct? 2004. Mm-hmm. How does, okay, so how does one become, because you became a medic, you were in special forces right. uh, in a reserve unit. So how did that transition become, become from medic to medical doctor in okay. the Army? So um, as part of my medic training, we did, um, right at the end of our uh the course down at Fort Sam Houston, we spent a month doing clinical work in a hospital. And I remember pretty distinctly, you know, we were, I was at a small Indian hospital, uh, Indian, uh, public, a public health service, you know, Indian health service hospital in Oklahoma. And I was up all night, one night kind of observing, assisting, uh, with a couple of, uh, labor and deliveries which was pretty cool. And then, hmm. the, and then the next morning, uh, as I was kind of getting ready to go take a nap, um, they called from the operating room said, Hey, we could use someone, you know, an extra pair of hands in here. So I'd scrubbed into a case in the operating room and, you know, I just the whole time, you know, and then I went for a run actually, because I was kind of too fired up to do, to take that nap. And I was, I was just running. I was like, this is pretty cool. You know, this whole medical stuff, you know, I liked learning medicine. I liked uh, taking care of patients. Um, And it was just, I just realized right then that I, that was kind of what I wanted to do. So when I got out, when I finished training and I got back to college, I started taking the pre-med courses, you know, the the usual science courses and and things Uh Um, and took my MCATs. Now I was a year behind, um, so most people take their MCATs in their, at the, at least at the time, um, took them at the, uh, spring of their third year of college, you know, their junior year, and then apply for medical school during their senior year of college. Okay. I, I took them at the end of my, you know, my senior year of college or my fourth year of college. And so I had a, a, a gap year, I guess, um, after college while I was applying for medical school. Um, still in the reserves and doing some other stuff, but, and, and basically my options were medical school, pay for it, medical school and let the, you know, the military, you know, apply for the health professional science scholarship, which, uh, pays, pays for medical school or to go to Ushu's, which is the military medical school up in, uh, Bethesda. Okay. Um, and I got in there and but I also got into the University of Virginia and for various reasons, um, I, I stayed at UVA on the, the army scholarship. Gotcha. So um, you took the second option. Right. So I, I went, you know, I went on the army scholarship, so they paid my way through college, through med school, um, and paid for books and a, a living stipend. Um, and then I did a couple rotations, during medical school, um, got my, you know, did the, the abbreviated officer basic course that they have. And, um, and basically when I finished medical school, uh, I applied for and got an internship in general surgery at Tripler in Hawaii. So now this is my third time going on active duty. <laughs> yeah. 
got yeah. out, got out to Hawaii, and so at the time, now the 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 military is different. They're more in line with the civilian uh, residencies, where basically you match and you are you go all the way through. Right. Uh, at the time, the army uh, and and the navy. I don't know if the air force was still doing it, but the army and navy were still. For a lot of their specialties, especially their surgical specialties, you would do your intern year, and then you would go out and be a general medical officer, a GMO, uh, and then come back and do your residency. Hmm. And so I, um, I was, you know, we had more interns than we had third, second year slots. So I, as part of my application, I said, well, if I don't get the, the spot, I'd like to have a deferment to go out and do a civilian residency. Um, and so I got that, um, which was not real common. They sent most people out to do GMOs. I was, if I recall from at least from general surgery, I was one of three general surgery applicants that year in the army who got a deferment. Um, and, you know, then now I'm scrambling to find a residency. <laughs> and thankfully, the, the, the folks at the University of Virginia um, had a, a relationship with me from medical school and they took me back. And so I, I got back out. And that's my now my third 214 and <laughs> um, spent the next five years at the University of Virginia uh, doing my residency. Oh, so. Gotcha. So then you came back on active duty in 2004. Right. After that, was after that five years, right. um, got a couple of deployments while you were in. Yep. So uh, came back on was, um, you know, they said, "Where do you want to go?" You know, and of course, knowing, um, I uh, met a, my my wife during residency. She was doing a plastics residency at uh, UVA, oh, wow. um, and so we were graduating, and she was about six months pregnant. Or, uh, or she, so when they were asking me, where do you want to go? We had just found out we were pregnant. Um, and yeah. so I said, well, you know, if I don't have to move real far, that would be ideal, you know? And so we ended up thankfully, uh, uh, very nice moving from Charlottesville to Newport news, Virginia, about two hours down the road, not too far away right? to Fort Eustis. And so I spent the next couple of years at Fort Eustis. Um, and during that time, so you, got two deployments. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. So you, so you went through a couple of deployments, uh, after you, after you originally, you, you, you came back in, I heard that you got to swim in one of Saddam's pools in the green zone. Swam in two of them, I guess. Two of them. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Talk right. to me about that. So what's uh, that like? Was, Cause I was out, I was out in Alambra province. I was out West. Yeah, you weren't getting any swimming. <laughs> no, no, there was no swimming whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. So in the green zone, we were, I was both, uh, both times I went. Now the second time I went in the winter, so I didn't do much swimming in the, the second time around, but the first time I was there March through October. So it was the, the heat of the summer, as you know, and the green zone, we were in the hospital known as Ibn Sina, which is, was on like Baghdad ER and some other uh, documentaries, but we were, um, um, you know, we were about, I don't know, what was that? About 500 meters down the road from the main palace, Saddam's main palace. And oh, wow. that palace had, they had soldiers there. They had state department at the time. That was before the embassy was built. This was 2005. Um, state department, 
you know, lots of contractors, different agencies, all the different agencies. And at the time that was, that was actually the closest gym and uh, dining facility for us. Oh, wow. Um, so we would make that walk up there, you know, th- two or three times a day. Uh, there was another yeah. dining facility a little closer, but it was kind of not as it, good. It wasn't, it wasn't in a palace. It wasn't the palace. <laughs> I mean, it was nice. You, know, you went up there and we were in the main throne room or whatever it was. I, you know, I don't know what room it was in Saddam's time, but yeah. we were in this big, huge ballroom that they had the dining facility set up in. Um, they later moved it into a separate building, but um, at the time it was like right in the middle of the palace. So it was pretty cool. And out yeah. back, there was this big swimming pool and you know first week i'm there they're like hey we're going swimming i'm like really i thought we're you know in in a combat (laughs) zone here you know we had to green zone man yeah it's the green zone we still had to wear our we had to wear our our flak jackets and our our helmets and everything and our take our weapons and we take them down and we'd set them on the side of the pool and go swimming wow Um, you know and it was pretty nice now we were uh, obviously on as as soldiers we weren't supposed to be drinking there um but they had a bar because the state department people would drink at it so i mean it was and wow. then so that was the one pool the later opened up a pool that was a little closer on the other side of us that was supposedly was one of his son's pools i can't remember which one uh yeah, Uday, Uday's, Uday's, one, yeah, yeah, I think Uday's them, pool. So that one was uh, a little less crowded. They had a gym there and a and a pool, so we'd go down to that one. It was a little less crowded than the palace one. Interesting. So. Yeah, all I saw it. I think all we had was like there was a stadium that had like bootleg movies. I think yeah. that was about, that was about <laughs> the only source of entertainment that we had. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so. Were you there when when we captured Saddam? I was there just, I got there just after he had been captured. Okay. I was there. Yeah. I, uh, I missed him a couple times. I I got there at, cause he, I, I want, I don't remember the exact timing. He got captured like right at the end of 2004 or 2000. Mm -hmm. He was in, he was in custody when I was there. You okay. Know, they had him out at uh out at the airfield out at the actually I don't know where they had him, but they had him in the prison that they had him in. Um, not Abu Ghraib, but the yeah. the, the one they yeah. replaced it with. Um, gotcha. And so, yeah, I I missed that. I was there. I got there. I don't know if you remember the when I got to the hospital the first time. They were still. They were just talking about because they had just had the um. Was it the Italian, the Italian reporter who they had kind of rescued? And then when they were trying to drive back through the checkpoint, <laughs> they got shot up. Oh, um, no. and, I don't, uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if you remember it. Yeah, it was it was yeah. big in the news at the time. But they had just gotcha. she had just kind of come through the hospital. I missed that by a few days. Oh wow! So, um, did did you? get a chance to examine uh, Saddam? Do you know anybody that did? Um, uh, I do. Uh, okay. I, I don't want to speak too much to it because uh, I don't know that it was ever released for public uh, consumption. Um, gotcha. I, I did. Now, I, I will say this. I almost uh, did a procedure on Saddam. I did. Uh, we did. They were out at the prison. And, uh, you know, of course, when these 
when we had prisoners, and, and this included everybody, not just the the high value guys, um, yeah. we really provided uh, complete medical care, and you know it was very very uh, regimented how how much we were give them, which was, I mean, they got better care than some of our own people did. It seemed. Sure. Sure. Um, But we had a gentleman, one of the, he was in the deck of cards, but I don't remember who he was, uh, who had had some, um, had had some bleeding with his bowel movements. Um, And I don't know if this is good for consumption on your podcast, but um, had some bleeding and they brought him to me to do a, uh, colonoscopy. Uh, so I gotcha. did a scope on him. Um, no problems. Uh, but then they had talked to me about, could I, um, I guess something similar had happened to Saddam and they had asked me, could I do this, do a scope on him? And of course they were very careful not to name names or anything, but the guy was yeah. kind of winking the whole time. Yeah. And I, I would, so I was set up to do it. And then I guess he decided he was like, you guys are going to, execute me anyway i don't care if i find whatever. out i have colon cancer <laughs> he's like whatever right because wow. i mean they 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 had to do the full consent and everything and he just said no i don't want it done uh, he did you. come back to our hospital a little later uh, after i had left to go north he came back in and he had it was during his trial and i think he was he was doing some uh you know, some, uh, fasting, you know, he was like a food strike or a hunger strike or whatever he was doing. Gosh. Yeah. And they, they brought him in to give him some IV fluids. So there were some people that I was there with that, you know, took care of getting him some fluids. Gotcha. So you came back after your deployments, Mm -hmm. um, you left active duty in 2008. Right. How much total time and did you have at that point between in and out, in and out of the military? Okay. So, um, yeah, so I came back after my last deployment, went back to Fort Bragg for a year, um, and then got out in 2008. So when I got to the VA, I bought back my active duty time. Um, and I want to say, I don't remember the exact calculation, but it was just under 10 years of active duty time that I bought back. Gotcha. And then with the reserve time, I've got somewhere again, you know, I have to calculate it out per, you know, but I've got about 15, somewhere between 15 and 16 years of, wow. of good years, you know, for a reserve yeah. time. Yeah. But gotcha. I got out completely. I didn't go in the reserves. And, and the real reason I got out was, um, you know, by this time, this is 2008, I have two daughters, three and one, and I'm the commander of a Ford surgical team that's due to go to Afghanistan for a year. Um, and as the commander, I'd, I'd get the whole tour. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, it was, it was hard. My wife wasn't from a military family. She wasn't, you know, and she, uh, she's over it. <laughs> Yeah, she says, oh, we've done it. <laughs> you know, I've done two deployments. I mean, I came home from the first deployment. Um, yeah. And then in that 10 months before I deployed again, we had a second daughter. And then, you know, I left like two weeks after her, after she was born. Um, yeah. And thank you. Thank the Lord for my, you know, my mother-in-law and, and my family and everybody helping. But, you know, she was ready to to kind of settle down and the girls were getting to that age where they, like I was the commander of this Ford surgical team. So we'd go to the field once a month 
And the girls really noticed, you know, they were at the point where they're noticing when I wasn't there. And so, yeah. Uh, my my wife's a army brat like you, you know, her, 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 yeah. her dad was in the army for 30 years. And even she at my 10 year, 12 year mark, she was like, okay, I'm over it. Yeah, we're done. We're done. So, That's enough. We've, we've I, put in our know, time. Hat, hats off to the families that can, can that can do the twenty, do the thirties. So I know. Just, well, it's, especially it's in 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 at least the last that time. twenty. Yeah, you know, and certainly in that time. I I guess the operational tempo slowed down some, but, but yeah, yeah. It, it you know, if you were in between two thousand and one and two thousand and twelve, thirteen in that time frame. I mean, and you're still in. I you're right. Heads Absolutely. Off. Yeah. Salute you. So, um, for those that are transitioning out today, mm-hmm. uh, can you give, I don't know, like, like one veteran life hack that you've learned since becoming a civilian like <laughs> to navigate civilian world? One. Oh man. Um, you know, it's, it's probably a little different coming out as a physician and going straight into, a, a, you know, having going straight into a job, but, um, sure. You know, because a lot of guys are getting out that are either looking for job or going to school. Um, I would say, I mean, what well, what but, I would but, say, but, but, but you but you've gone in and out many yeah, times. You're in and think, out, so. Yeah, yeah. You've uh, always figured out a way to eventually advance your life and advance your career. Right. So I just want to know, you know, at any of those times, the probably the biggest thing that I would say that I wish I had done the first time I got out back in '88 is, yeah. I mean, I wish I had, um, and I think as we're, as people are getting out now, we're more aware of it, but I, I, I did not take advantage of everything that the, that all the benefits that I had, um, you know, I didn't sign up with the VA. I didn't, um, you know, the medical stuff. I didn't, I just didn't know. And it was different then. I mean, we, they didn't push it as much as they do now, but I mean, use those benefits cause they're there and, uh, you know, whether it's, getting a, you know, a VA loan for a house or your educational benefits. I mean, I did that. I, that's why I went in the army. I used the college fund and the GI bill. I mean that, yeah. you know, I mean, there's, there's a ton of money out there. I mean, use it, I mean, use it wisely, but, um, you know, don't abuse it, but, uh, but definitely use your benefits cause, uh, they're out there. And there's a lot of more benefits that, you know, like private companies do and things like websites and stuff that can get you some discounts that we didn't have then that, you know, I think, I think it's good. Gotcha. Yeah. So, uh, before we move on to your, to your medical career, Uh what is one who, if you were to look back on your entire military service, military career, can you give me either one best friend or one mentor that you had while you were in? Hmm. Um, well, I would say, you know, each stage of my career had someone a little different. Yeah. Um, you know, when I was enlisted in the 82nd, uh, you know, my platoon, I had uh, a guy by the name of Jay Hall, uh, who went on to officer candidate school. Uh, Scott Wiseau was my platoon sergeant when I got out. Just, you know, great leaders. Um, John Moore was our commanding officer of my company who, you know, just really took an interest in his soldiers and, and kind of taught me not only made me able to, to kind of do the things that I wanted to do, but also to, uh, give me an example when I became an officer later and, you know, of what kind of, what an officer should be like. Um, I think, you know, 
my whole, you know, my whole uh, A team, I think, you know, you get real close to an A team in special forces. So, you know, some of those guys, yeah. you know, uh, Roger Hale and Mark Bowman and, and a bunch of uh, uh, bunch of guys that just, you know, or I'm still friends with, you know. 25 years yeah, later. Still, oh yeah. We get together. Yeah. Oh, okay. So that's that, great. Those guys. And then, you know, so they must live pretty close still. Well, there are, the majority of them are in, I mean, most of them Virginia. were, yeah, we're all in Virginia. Cause um, the reserve unit and all reserve that Reserve unit. Um, yeah, yeah. I think Lee lives in, in Richmond and the others all live down. Well, Mark's kind of bounced around now. But the others live down in the Virginia Beach area. So, you know, we have a reunion every couple of years with the whole company. And so we're trying to get together, you know. That's good. So That's good. Um, you know, had a couple of them have passed away. But uh, but overall, gotcha. um, just a great group of guys. I mean, that was a time that was in the late 80s in the reserve unit, early 90s. I mean, we had guys in that unit. Um, well, my, Lee was... Um, you know, guys that had served in Vietnam still. So, wow. So a lot of experience uh, there. And then uh, really, I, I, you know, again, it's, it's, I don't know if it's mentors, but people like um, uh, that, you know, one after my medical side, you know, as a doctor. um, Yeah. You know, just the people I served with, uh, Marty Harnish uh, was a great friend, uh, is a great friend. Um, he's a surgeon down in, I think he's still in San Antonio. Um, you know, Aaron Edgar, um, was my commander, the 28th cash. Uh, so just good people. Um, do you tell jokes as doctors? Is, is, is it like, is it, is, it, is the humor like mash pretty dark? Is it, is it like, uh, is there any truth to that? Or is, is it like, what's it like being a deployed, like. You guys had to have developed a pretty close bond. Yeah. And and like a surgeon in a room together yeah, as, as it's, surgeons. It's not quite as uh well, I mean, you know, it's not quite as uh as risque, I guess, as MASH was, uh, in terms of the jokes and, and what the, the hijinks they got up to. Um and certainly not as if you saw the movie, MASH the original movie, not just the T V show. Yeah. Um yeah. but there were definitely days where I felt, you know, in Baghdad in the in there we had two operating rooms and both rooms had two beds in it which is unusual i mean if you're in in the united states you only have one one yeah. or bed and one or room but we had two big kind of double-sized rooms and both rooms had a bed two beds in it so it was not uncommon to be doing two cases you know next to each other interesting um, interesting and then i remember you know you know and you're kind of talking across you're you're concentrating, but you're talking across to the people the other side and uh, there's no laugh track or anything. But I think any surgical operating room, there are very intense moments, but there are some light moments as well. Um, yeah. And I remember we were over there and we probably someone sent the DVD of uh, or something of of the original MASH or movie. And I go back, we went, we watched that and I go back and watch that. And I watched the TV show uh, occasionally. And, you know, those, I mean, again, there's a lot of hijinks outside, you know, in the with radar yeah. and all those guys, but the operating room scenes, you know, cause they would have three or four beds in a tent and they're all kind of working on different patients. Those, yeah. I, 
mean, I don't know how realistic they were to the Korean War, but they were pretty realistic. I mean, they, they, I thought they were fairly accurate. I thought they were fairly accurate in terms of the medicine there. And it kind of reminded me a lot of, you know, at times where everything's real busy and quiet and you're working and times where you're kind of joking back and forth between different tables. And, uh, and so, so it was a little bit like that. Um, you know, I wasn't able to steal a Jeep and, and, you know, drive off into the sunset, but <laughs> yeah, no, no, the Hollywood part, but yeah. Yeah. yeah and we weren't, yeah. we weren't, you know, we didn't have a still in our building. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but, as, no. as it could have been. Yeah. <laughs> probably, there's probably one there in this, in the state department, you know, Oh, but. I'm sure the state department guys had it. <laughs> so, um, how did you find your way to the VA and Salem medical center? Yeah. So, um, Interestingly enough, so the University of Virginia uh, in Charlottesville, which is about two hours from here, we're down. Man, they took care of you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, there's nothing wrong with the University of Virginia. I'll, I'll talk about not. them all day long. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my oh. wife did go to Virginia Tech. I'm just saying. There you go. But. Okay. Well, that's all right. We got you plenty of those folks here we, too. We won't. We won't hold it against her. No. Um, no. The the medical school at the University of Virginia. They, we've they've had a for a long time a. This is kind of one of their, like a lot of VAs that have teaching um, associations with medical schools and, and university hospitals. Yeah. Salem has had a long um, history with the University of Virginia uh, as their teaching VA hospital. Um, and now we also have with um, the a couple of newer medical schools, the, the VCOM down in Blacksburg and Virginia Tech's medical school here in Roanoke, but mm -hmm. they, they weren't around then. Um, and so <laughs> when I was a medical student, my first rotation as my, not my first, first rotation, but my first uh, major block as a medical, as a third year medical student was surgery. And I spent six weeks right here at the Salem VA. Wow. Um, three attendings here and, and a, some residents and the residents from UVA came down here and still do. Um, so that, was my first introduction to Salem. And uh, then I, when I came back to UVA to do my residency, I came down here for several months um, at the beginning and then at the end of my residency. So we have residents in their first and second year here. Yeah. And then we have a chief resident who will spend, you know, two to three months down here. So I was down here for six months during my first two years, six months out of the first 12, uh, 24 months at, of my residency at UVA, um, and three months as a chief. So as a fifth year senior resident, um, so, so you spent a lot of time at the, I spent at a lot Salem. of time down here at Salem. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, I, I really loved the place. My attendings were great. Um, they, you know, Wayne Wilson was the chief of surgery at the time. He has since retired, but he, uh, he had been here since the seventies. So, I mean, when he retired finally a few years ago, he had put 40 plus years here at Salem. Wow. So it was a very stable program. Yeah. Um, sounds like it and great guys to work with. I loved, you know, I mean, there's frustrations that, are true of any, uh, as I found out later, are true any hospital you go to yeah. uh, that, you know, but Salem is a great, has a great uh, reputation and has a great, um, 
I don't know, attitude. And Salem's had a very strong culture. And, um, and so when I was looking, when we were getting out of the army, uh, when I was getting out of the army in 2008, I, um, I was looking, we were hoping to come back to Virginia, uh, the state. Yeah, it's not, um, I mean, you guys have spent your entire career there. Right. Yeah. And, um, and so we were, um, you know, we were interviewing, I interviewed up at the University of Virginia to go back there. We were looking at some places in the Valley. Um, we were, my wife had an interview with a, a plastic surgery group in Lynchburg, well, yeah, so we were looking in the state, and um, and this I was, was two thousand and eight, right? This is early two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Did the recession af- does did the recession affect like doctors' employment? We always hear that there's not enough doctors. <sighs> yeah. Or was it more of interviewing to find the right fit? It's just finding the right fit. I think. I, I mean, I think you know. I got offered the job at UVA, but there wasn't really anything in Charlottesville that was going to work for my wife at the time. Gotcha. Um, she got offered the job in Lynchburg and I had, I had, I had an interview set up with a group in Lynchburg. So, um, you know, had, I'm, I don't know if they would have offered me or not, but if they had, you know, we certainly might have ended up in Lynchburg. I don't think the recession, you know, in 2008, the recession affected us as much as unfortunately it affected a lot of other folks. There's a lot of other industries. Um, yeah. Um, at least, you know, my experience of it, I, I, I can't speak for everybody in, in all locations, but when I was looking for a job, it did not seem like it was going to be very difficult to find a job. Gotcha. Um, and so anyway, I was at a Virginia surgical meeting, you know, the Virginia surgery group and ran into my old uh, attendings here, Dr. Wayne Wilson and Dr. George Rivera. Um, And they basically said, you know, we had another guy who just left and we have an opening. You know, would you be interested? I said, sure. I'd love to come back to Salem. And um, and so almost like coming uh, home pretty much, pretty much. And so basically you know, they contacted our chief of surgery now and he, we set up an interview and I came up and interviewed and my wife came up and interviewed with him, uh, for a part-time spot, which was what she was looking for. And, you know, it worked out perfectly. So I, after I got out, I came on board here. I, I spent about a w- two weeks by myself in a, you know, one of those little, uh, you know, business, you know, suite hotels or whatever you call them you know, yeah. the and uh um and you know while we got the moving stuff and everything moved out of fort bragg and then uh my folk my family joined me up here got you so what is your role currently at the salem medical center so i'm currently a staff general surgeon uh i'm you know i'm not in any kind of official leadership capacity yeah. um um, I do mostly general surgery, uh, belly, sur- you know, surgery on the abdomen, hernias is probably my most common surgery, gallbladders. Uh, I do some thoracic surgery. Um, I do, I did for a little while, I did some vascular stuff, but we've hired a, a, a vascular surgeon. So I've kind of let him do that. And, uh, you know, 
teaching of residents and medical students, and then all the, the full gamut of committees. I do uh, disciplinary appeal boards, so that's for the VA itself. So I, that's how I've gotten to travel and see some other VAs and see what they're like. But gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Okay, so um, Doctor Weed, yes, what's one thing you learned in service that you apply to what you do today? I mean, other than the medical stuff. <laughs> Um, yeah, other than like, wait, what, what they taught you? Right. <laughs> I kind of had the thing too that when, yeah. when when the previous host of the show asked me that question, you know, you know, I was like, well, I was a combat videographer in the Marine Corps, so it kind of yeah, so naturally doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I think probably the thing I learned or the thing that drew me back here, um, besides the oh, people, give me give me one second, doctor, give me yep. one second. Yeah, I, I just. I had my headphones on. I was talking to Dr. Weed. Okay, you're going to laugh at this. Uh, part of the... Uh the running joke of this podcast is that I run it out of my mother-in-law's basement. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'm, we're living at my in-law's place until my, our house is built. And she just called on me to ask me if the meat tasted good for a nice dinner. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. So what, one, one thing that you learned in service that you apply yeah. today. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that drew me back here to come back to Salem, other than the people here, you know, my attendings, you know, that I worked with as a resident and medical student, but just, <sighs> I think one of the things, and I, I used to do some recruiting, uh, and I still do some recruiting things. And one of the things that I always thought about was, you know, why should I provide great medical care to our servicemen and our veterans? And my thought was, you know, there's there's a lot of people who need good medical care, need great medical care, um, you know, throughout this country. I mean, a lot of people need it. And I said, but in my mind, I, I can't find too many more people who deserve it more than yeah. our servicemen and women and our veterans. And uh, so that's that was a big draw to come back to the VA um, after my service to, to just continue to serve and to provide as the best medical care I can. I'm not. Um, trying to inflate my own abilities, but to, to just provide the best care that I can to a lot of people yeah. who who really um, wouldn't get it otherwise, and uh, and but they, I think they deserve it as much as as anybody else that I can think of. Um, and so I try to remember that every day, um, you know, that or you know, whenever, especially gotcha. when things are kind of getting a little frustrating, uh, or you know the bureaucracy is, is kind of weighing down a little bit more than I want it to be. Um, that it's, I'm not really here because, you know, it's a great job. It is. Yeah. I'm not really here because, you know, it's a great lifestyle. It is. I'm really here because of the people on the other side of the, on the other side of the table or on the table or. Well, I can, I can only imagine that there's other like, you know, avenues in your, in your industry, in your career that you could have taken that have led you, that could have maybe, led you to a maybe. more but, yeah, lucrative. I mean, I mean, yeah, probably. I mean, I probably could make more money if I, if I went out and, but honestly, you know, it is definitely not everything. That's not everything. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, it's a great situation here. 
um, in terms of both my family and uh, my work environment. And, and I, you know, yeah. when I meet some of these veterans from, especially the older guys, you know, we don't see too many more anymore, you know, the old world war two guys or the, uh, you know, now it's mostly Vietnam mm-hmm. veterans eras at this point, but and yeah, Korea, um, yeah. you know, just asking them their stories and, and just kind of reminding myself, you know, we all, we all did that at one time. It's kind of fun. Yeah. And then if I rarely, you know, when I run into someone who was in an old unit of mine, like the 82nd or something like that, it's always fun. As yeah. Of course. Of course. So, uh, Dr. Weed, what is one nonprofit or a veteran in the veteran community that you see as like, I don't know, like as, as a shining example for others to emulate? You know, I, I've donated money for several years now to the Wounded Warriors program. And I know they've ha- they had some kind of question marks about some some leadership issues a few years ago. But I still think the work they yeah. do is um, is 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 important work. Um I haven't been as much involved with like the, you know, the, the more traditional, you know, the VFW or the, or the American Legion. Gotcha. Um, Dr. Weed, is there anything else about uh, your career, about the VA or anything else that we've covered that um, I haven't asked? I think it's important to share to the listeners. No, I think uh, I, other than just, you know, as people go to work every day and see those veterans, just remembering that, you know, why they're coming to work. And, and you know, every, and it, it frustrates me, I think, a little bit when we see and, and it's it's just the nature of the beast. You know, when you see reports of, of problems at, at various VAs and, and like, you know, yeah. I mean, I know. There's no perfect hospital. I guarantee you all of those things that people read about. Um, and then you, you, people say, oh, the VA is horrible, you know, because of whatever is going on. And those problems are at the, those are the same problems that every hospital has. I mean, I, I promise you that you can go to Johns Hopkins and find a problem and you can you know, I mean, <laughs> there's just no perfect. Huh? It's, yeah. a, it's an imperfect. It's an imperfect industry, um, and yeah. everybody's trying to make it better. And unfortunately, you know, the Johns Hopkins, when something bad goes on there, you know, maybe the people in Baltimore read it in their paper, or, or you know, we hear about it in the medical community, but nobody in you know. Arizona reads it. Nobody reads about Johns Hopkins, or if it's in the paper, nobody's paying attention to it. But when you know one VA has a major problem, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't pay attention to those problems, but when one VA has a major problem, we all get painted with that, and it's frustrating. I just want, yeah, you know, if anybody's you know frustrated with their VA, I I, you know, I I certainly appreciate that frustration, Um, but I also. It's, it's, it just, it, I, I, it, I take it almost personally when, when people start bad mouthing the VA based on one report from some place and we just don't hear the good stories, you know, the good that the VA does every day. My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. 
I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. I want to thank Dr. Weed for his patience. That was recorded a while ago. And we all know I only have one slot a week. So again, thank you, Dr. Weed, for that interview. Thank you for your time. Dr. Weed is currently still at the VA Medical Facility in Salem, Virginia. This week's Born the Battle event of the week is Marine Corps veteran Harry Bud Carlson. Harry Carlson was born in Brookfield, Illinois in January of 1912. In 1941, he moved to California where he worked as an auto mechanic. Upon hearing about the attack on Pearl Harbor, like so many, he enlisted in the Marine Corps. Carlson was a member of Company A, 2nd Marine Division, 2nd Amphibian Tractor Battalion, and was also the Quartermaster Maintenance Chief. Throughout the war, he participated in numerous amphibious landings. At one point, he even contracted malaria, but continued to battle while ill. Raw. He fought in the Battle of Tarawa in November of 1943 on the island of Beto, part of the nation of Kiribati. He was fatally shot after attempting to take out a Japanese machine gun nest. He was buried on the island and was supposed to be and was supposed to be returned home after the war. However, identification records were lost and the remains of 550 Marines who were killed in the battle were unidentifiable. His body was transferred to National Memorial Cemetery of the Pacific in Hawaii, where his remains were labeled unknown X-82. After many years of testing and advances in DNA technology, unknown X-82 was officially identified as the remains of Carlson. In the summer of 2018, after many years of testing and, the, and advances in DNA technology, unknown X-82 was officially identified as the remains of Carlson. In October of 2018, Carlson's remains were transferred back to his family in Arlington Heights, Illinois, where he received a proper funeral service. Carlson was then buried on October 13th, 2018 at Abraham Lincoln National Cemetery in Elwood, Illinois. Of the 18,000 Marines who fought in the November 2023 Battle of Tarawa, over 1,000 died and 2,100 were wounded. Harry Bud Carlson, we honor his service. That's it for this week's episode. If you yourself would like to nominate a Born the Battle Veteran of the Week, you can. Just email us at podcast at va.gov, include a short write-up or link, and let us know why you would like to see him or her as the Born the Battle Veteran of the Week. If you like this episode and haven't subscribed yet, please do. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, pretty much any podcatching app known to cell phone, computer, tablet, or man. And as always, for more stories on veterans and veteran benefits, check out our website, blogs.va.gov. And follow the VA on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, RallyPoint, DEPT Vet Affairs, U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, no matter the social media, you can always find us with that blue check mark. Thank you again for listening, and we'll see you right here next week. Thanks again. Thanks again.